if when we talk about the nation of South Korea, again, to most of us, that we understand it's one of the, we would say, strategic countries on the continent of Asia. Now, given the fact that this nation is growing, politically speaking, and also economically speaking, but at this moment, too often we tend to overlook or to underestimate some of the domestic issues within the country. And for example, the gender inequality. Now, if we take a look at this neighboring countries, for example, Japan and China, and the population, it's actually in crisis today. And not only younger generations today are walking away from this, what we call the traditional mindset or the family setup, but instead, younger generations today are looking for something new, particularly regarding the role of women. And the same thing is actually happening in the nation of South Korea as well. But only few of us can ask the question, what is happening to the nation? And what about the women in South Korea? Well, in this episode, we are going to address all the critical questions and really to understand how South Korea today is facing the crisis and related to gender inequality. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to invite our distinguished speaker, who is Yulim Lee. Again, Yulim holds a master's degree in international cooperation at the Graduate School of International Studies at Seoul National University. And her research interests include social inclusion of underrepresented groups, demographic crisis in East Asia, and the political discourse on refugees in South Korea. Well, Yulim, and welcome to The Missing Piece. Thank you for having me. Well, initially, Yulim, when I discovered you, because this amazing article that you wrote, which is entitled Gender Norms and Women's Double Burden in East Asia, South Korea, Japan, and China share similar issues with entrenched gender norms regarding childcare, employment, which are being reflected in their plunging birth rates. Now, I know that you focus on South Korea mainly, so I want to get started right away. Now, why do you think it's important for us to understand the current gender inequality in South Korea today? As we mentioned before, when we look at the country, too often we think about South Korea as a country uh, famous for culture, uh, cultural events and also political engagements. But why gender inequality is so critical today? Yeah, I think it is important to understand gender inequality because like not just in terms of gender inequality, but inequality in general, because inequality leads to conflicts, fragmentation of societies, as you mentioned. And I think South Korea shows a great example of how inequality leads to a societal divide and to the growth of the society. Because gender divide in South Korea is a very serious social issue where we have feminism, but also like anti-feminism, radical feminism, and very radical anti-feminism and they are like constantly being fragmented and constantly being fighting each other so in order for the society to grow and to go to the next step we need to resolve these issues and it is very important for us to resolve these issues because it is affecting the society its future and growth and as you have mentioned because of gender inequality less and less women are willing to get married and give birth to a child because it affects their career life because it is, as you have mentioned, it's very, very difficult in East Asia, in women in South Korea, to balance their career life and the personal life. And this leads to the demographic crisis. 
And this, this is directly related to national security. So Korea has a lot of policies in order to increase child birth rate. But first, it needs to solve and really think about how women can balance both career and personal life. If they solve this issue, more childbirth will naturally come. Mm. Yulim, I want to go back to the article and read something that you wrote, and I want to get your further explanation. This is what you wrote, and I quote, Expectations for women to perform household duties and care work constrain their participation in the labor force. Yet it is precisely the same set of norms that are discouraging working women from marrying and having children. I mean, again, as you mentioned before, today, women in South Korea, they shoulder much greater responsibilities. It's rather challenging for women to balance between work and a family. But let's dive into a little bit deeper. How should we actually understand the burden of women in South Korea today when it comes to balancing work and life? And because of the work and because of uh, what we say, this demand from professionalism, is this the only reason that discourage women in South Korea from forming this marriage or even to build up this family or having children, etc.? What do you say to that? So, like, to give a little context of the article, the, the whole article came from the word career interrupted woman. It's a very frequently used term in South Korea called Kyungdanyeo in South Korean, which denotes women who goes their career break after marriage and giving childbirth. And this is a very big issue in South Korea that the government is trying to solve, as many competent women have to give up their career to raise children and devote their time to domestic and care work. So here, the co-author and I came to a realization that women, especially in South Korea and also in East Asia, have difficulties balancing their professional and personal life. And I think this is because women need to participate, like modern women have to participate more in the labor force due to like capitalism and globalization. East Asian countries still hold this Confucian values, which are projected to women. And this kind of Confucian values, traditional values, restrain how women should behave and at work and at work and at work and homes and also their duties and responsibilities. And this is very evident in the hours of care work that women devote compared to men. So women in South Korea devote around three times more on domestic and care work compared to men. And very fewer men have fraternal lives compared to maternal lives. And this, this, this kind of societal like dynamics and gender dynamics, I think, is very evident in the terms and languages that we use, such as like career interrupted woman and left over woman. So I think, yeah, it is very relevant to talk about these issues currently in South Korea and also in East Asia as well. Yulim, you mentioned in South Korea, again, many times, the government unveiled a comprehensive plan in March this year to increase the fertility rates in the face of the democratic crisis in the country. And also in the article, you mentioned the policy like reducing working hours for women during childbearing, a child rearing, and also telecommunicating and flexible work for women during childcare. But meanwhile, we know that these solutions are not a long-term solution. These are just temporary. So let's talk about it. If those policies are not successful or those policies are not well accepted by the citizens, especially women in South Korea, 
how does that add additional value to this inequality? Because again, when we talk about this inequality, we know there's a symptom, there's a problem. But if those policies are no longer effective or not being, uh, again, well accepted by the society, what's the point of the policy? And what's the point of keep on modifying it or changing it? Why can't we, do, why can't we just start over? Mm, yeah, it is an issue because while South Korea is trying very hard in order to improve like gender gender equality and also to help women balance their professional and career life, I think it is also retreating in some sense because after like President President Yoon's um President Yoon's term, a lot of government budgets on gender policies are also being cut off, and he's like trying to abolish Ministry of Gender Equality and Family. So I think gender equality issue is being um improved in a lot of senses but also being retreated and it is very important to think about how like if it is going to retreat we have to think about the consequences of it because it is that it is just not only the woman's problem but also the problem for the general society and also broadly to it affects men and women as well because like if less women are willing to get married and have like give birth to a child, it will affect society and the national security and the demo it will lead to demographic society, demographic, demographic crisis. So I think um, we need to think about how the gender policies can really lead to better representation of different group, different gender groups in our society. Let's bring the current president into our conversation. Um, I mean, at this moment, again, let's go back. If I'm not mistaken, during the campaign season, solving gender equality or taking a stand for women was one of the campaign models that for Yoon. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe majority of the voters, I would say the female voters, they believed in Yoon that he was going to solve the problem or, or at least to minimize the threat of the gender inequality. But right now, can you help us give this evaluation? What is the attitude from the current government, and how has the president responded to such uh, to such crises regarding gender inequality? What do you say to that? So it is a very complicated issue, I think. But like, it, people may have different like perspectives and different point of views on President Yoon's election and the campaigns, but. President Yoon actually tried to use a lot of, he used, deployed a lot of anti-feminism, feminist remarks at the same time. And he kind of used us politically to win the, win the election. So it's very interesting because like a lot of young men supported President Yoon, but a lot of females didn't support President Yoon at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it is being retreated and he is really making, he, in, in one of the presidential elections, in, in campaigns, he tried to abolish Ministry of Gender Equality and Family, and it's kind of really happening in true life. So, yeah, it's interesting to think about how he has used such a um, gender divide as his political tactic to win the campaign, and it kind of really worked in South Korea, and it, the gender equality and gender issues are being retreated. So it's yeah, very interesting to look at the dynamics of it. Yulin, what about the attitude from men at this moment? I mean, again, when we look at the country of China, 
We'd also look at the country of Japan when we talk about gender equality. And to be honest, there are many nonprofit organizations are actually set up by men. So in other words, not only females, but also males are actively participating those organizations and believe that gender inequality is a major threat to the development of the society. So from your research and even within your article, how should we assess the attitude from men at this moment in South Korea? Does that mean that men are just saying, you, uh, you know what, if you want to get married, well, I'm okay with it. Or uh, you couldn't be the good mother for the children or you couldn't balance work and family at the same time. Maybe we should um, be separated or maybe we should see other ways. Do we have any support from men at this moment? What is the assessment for that? I think in talking about gender issues, it is always important not to just talk about women, but also talk about men as well. So I think it is very because like men is the half of the population, half of the population and half of the gender. So we need like not half of the gender because we need to think about other genders as well. But men consist roughly about half of the gen half of the population. So we need to always think about including men into this this kind of conversation as well and during the research it was very interesting to find out that more than half of the half of men also reported experiences of gender discrimination at work mm. so we need to think that um gender inequality not only negatively affects women but also negatively can affect men and also to have broader like negative implications in the society as well and in terms of talking about men's attitudes and gender gender equality and those like feminist moves i think a lot of korean men is also becoming more are also becoming more open especially in the younger generations and a lot of men also have interest in improving gender equality gender equality and improving the, the issues of how women are facing discrimination at work and also in the society so i think we're seeing a lot of positive moves in that sense so yeah like men are also doing great i think so we need to keep encouraging both women and men to be interested in the issues of gender equality and try to improve this issue Mm. Yulim, I want to go back to the article. Also, this is something that you wrote. In light of discriminatory gender norms and the double burden that they place on women in East Asia, current policies to improve childcare facilities and support women's employment are clearly insufficient. Governments must foster an egalitarian culture to counter lingering confusions idea one in which more men are encouraged to take on household and childcare responsibilities, end quote. Now, let's go back to the question. What does that mean to create a egalitarian culture to counter linger confusion ideas? Can you dive into this a little bit more? How should we understand the phrase egalitarian culture? What does that mean? Well, it means a lot of things and it can include a lot of policies but one of the policies that i can think of right now is to help men become help men feel more comfortable using paternal leaves because in case of south korea men are still very afraid to use paternal leaves so i did a lot of research and a lot of researches said that like there were instances of 
where men was were fearful that they would risk losing a job if they use paternal leaves. So in Korea, men are still not very free in using paternal leaves where they have those rights and rights to be using them. And this affects dynamics in the domestic work as well, because if not, men have to be const have to stay at work, women should be use doing more care work and more household work as well. So I think this kind of dynamics in encouraging men to use like paternal leaves, those kind of things, policies should be implement, implemented in order to foster a egali more egalitarian culture. What about the role of career for men at this moment? I mean, again, you kind of briefly touch on that, but I do want you to elaborate a little bit more. I mean, we know that job is important. But we say when it comes to family and when it comes to the value of family, job can wait. But it doesn't mm -hmm. seem to be the case at this moment for the nation of South Korea or for the men in South Korea. So what is the general attitude for men to see careers? Does that mean jobs, employments are supposed to be the priorities right now and then the family value or anything else could be placed as a secondary or as anything else on the list. What do you say to that? Well, like people have different perspectives. So people will like different men will have different perspectives and different priorities. But I think it is very like jobs are always placed as jobs are more likely to be placed as a priority these days because it is so difficult to make just to make a living sustain a living in south korea mm -hmm. the apart like the housing is becoming so expensive living expenses are becoming so expensive so that's why i think that's one of the reasons i think why people like not only men but people in general and people in south korea are more obsessed to having an employment getting a job and making money because like it is like because of economic situations it's getting bad so it's very difficult to make a living to make a good family make a living so that's why like jobs employment should be placed as priorities to these people in south korea mm. Yulim, I got two more questions before letting you go. Now, we talk about the current economic situation in South Korea, and we talk about this gender inequality also happening in South Korea. Now, this is the question I guess we all would like to ask. Is it too late for South Korea to do something in order to change the current dilemma? I mean, again, we are not saying that President Yoon is going to implement a brand new policy tomorrow. Nor we are saying that the mayors or the officials are going to get together tonight and roll out a brand new plan to get effective in 2024. But at this moment, it's still on everyone's mind. If this is something that should be addressed immediately, is it still too late for men and women in the society, even the entire world, to get together to figure out how do we really get to the bottom of this and also particularly start with the nation of South Korea. What do you say to that? Yeah, I think like all the problems that the world is facing right now, like climate issues, like global issues, like all the problems that we are facing now, like it is too late, but like not too late at the same time. It is mm. same, like too late, but not too late at the same time. And it is the same for the Korean case as well. I think gender inequality and also like economic Korea is facing a lot of bad, like, 
a lot of societal issues right now these days and the country is having a lot of difficulties but we are also seeing a lot of positive changes as well we are seeing our improvements in like k-culture like improving public diplomacy mm -hmm. and we are trying to expand ourselves more to the world like now when i go like i i'm now in the u.s when i am in the u.s people know me more as like people know Korea more compared to 10 years ago. Mm. So we're doing a lot of progresses at the same time. So we need to keep up with what's good, the progresses that we have. And at the same time, try to eliminate the bad things we have, such as gender inequality and hard economic situations. So I think in order to do that, we need a strong leadership where a leadership can unite people where they don't fragment fragment people or divide nor divide people, but try to unite all the different groups and all the like underrepresented groups and try to include and build try to make those people build feel belongings in the society. I think that's what we need right now at this moment, right now. Yulim, I want to wrap up our conversation by asking you a very simple question. I mean, as you mentioned, you're currently living in the U.S. Now, when we look at some of the social issues on the agenda, too often, again, it depends which party that you belong to or which ideology that you buy into, we tend to mix social issue, uh, issues with politics. So in other words, political rhetoric or political benefits uh, sometimes create much greater influence upon the social agenda. Now, when we come to gender inequality, well, when we come to economic situations in the nation of South Korea, do you think today we also see this unfair combination between social issues and political interests? And that's number one. And number two, I guess I hate to use the word political polarization, do you think that political polarization today is also taking place in South Korea? What do you say to that? Yeah, I think um, to answer the first, the second question first, I think political polarization is definitely happening in South Korea because people like um, not only there is political polarization, but I think political parties are like like they like to use political polarization and like not just the polarization just polarization itself as their tactic to win elections as and as their tactic to re regain the dominate and regain in power and just stay in power so i think political polar polarization is definitely happening in south korea and it leads to more it leads to more bigger divide and bigger fragmentation of the society. But political parties can stay in power if they use political polarization as a tactic to win the election. Mm. So they are using those kind of like issues in order to stay in power. But it is very bad. It is doing more bad stuff in in the general Korean society. So I think, yeah, that is to answer the second question. Do you see that today in South Korea, when we talk about social issues, are those issues mixed with political interests? So in other words, mm -hmm. the only elected parties can use those social issues as the way to gain voters, but actually mm -hmm. without putting actions behind the words or those issues are only being dealt with as core issue without any political influence or political interests. 
Um, yeah, I think like it is not as not as evident like in the U.S. where there is like clear Democratic parties and clearly Republican parties in terms of South Korea. South Korea also has like a lot of like peak parties who mm. try to stand on the neutral side. But I think it is definitely have like it is definitely the political like social interests are very are tightly connected to the interests of the political parties as well. So we could expect that if one political party wins the election, like they will do more negative stuff to like immigrants or to women, like that, that those kind of social issues, social interests are linked to the political parties as well. But I think that is where we need to go away from. So. There are evident issues in the so in the social in the society of South Korea, and I think all the political parties need to work on to in work in order to focus on on what social issues we have and try to solve it rather than trying to like promote one social issue because they are in a particular political party. And I think, um, although I'm not really familiar with the polit politics of South Korea, we are trying to have a medium to in order to focus on several social issues that we have and try to work in a collaborative way how we can like improve those issues so yeah to answer that question if it answered right i think you yeah. did you did i mean again i think the bottom line is today when we look at the interests of the citizens and also we look at the issues that the citizens are struggling today there's no denying that we should not put political influence over those critical issues. I mean, ultimately, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's not about this policies. It's not really about this politicians. It's really about the satisfaction rate and also really about the trust that the voters placed yeah. into those officials. So that's why mm -hmm. I would say um, for the future, not only for South Korea, but for any other neighboring countries, stop using politics to be the driver, to be the engine, to create influence. And let's really uh, put the words behind the actions and instead of kicking the cans down the road for so long. Well, again, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to speak to Yulim Lee. Again, Yulim Lee holds a master's degree in international corporation at the Graduate School of International Studies at Seoul National University. Her research interests include social inclusion of underrepresented groups, demographic crisis in East Asia, and the political discourse on refugees in South Korea. And I strongly encourage everyone to go online and check out her latest article, which is entitled Gender Norms and Women's Double Burden in East Asia. Well, Yulim, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. And again, we'd love to have you back on the show as we continue to pay attention to those social and also those political topics in the nation of South Korea. So thank you so much for doing this.